Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. Welcome to the Fandrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, Dynasty and prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 39 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store for you all today. And with me, as always, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's up, man? Hey, not too much. Just another great day to be back in the Toolshed talking about some prospects. Had a restful and eventful all-star break. And now there's some exciting prospects to talk about now that we had the draft. And it's going to be an awesome episode. Absolutely. And... Second half starting out just as poorly as the first half was <laughs> all these injuries. Like my, my, we were talking like my home keeper team. I was like all excited. Second half is like, all right, I'm getting Kelnick coming back up. It's to be great. And then Pablo Lopez hits the IL Voight back on the IL. Uh, who was it? A couple of guys in the COVID list, uh, Urshela, Fraley, Strasburg had a setback. I'm just like, uh, second is, verse, same as the first. Exactly. Like, like, nope. So I figured, all right, maybe, you know, try to be optimistic, you know, get the all-star break, have some optimism for the second half that wasn't going to go as poorly as the first half in terms of injuries, but nope. Same old, same old, unfortunately. Um, but let's get past that. But yeah. before we get into the show, the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Cross 4 and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Please check out our new Patreon for extra written content from both of us, bonus podcasts, private Discord access, access to our live prospect and dynasty rankings, and much more. These perks are available across four different tiers, starting at just $5. Or if you just want to thank and support Chris and I, you can do so for $1 a month. Sign up today at patreon.com slash toolshed. And of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the network, including our other two baseball podcasts, Five Tool and SP Streamer. Well, all right, Chris, let's get into this week's episode. It's kind of like a uh, nostalgic episode because our very first episode we did back in late October of last year was our fir- 2020 first-year player draft hitter review. And today, 2021 draft review, baby. There's some hitters this week, pitchers next week. Uh, we have some news and notes to start, but I'm excited about this episode, Chris. I'm it's going to be a great one. I know the draft was awesome. I always look forward to that. And this is... This was like my first full year of like fully spending a whole year looking into these prospects. So it was a blast. And obviously still going to spend more time like reviewing and revising our rankings. Want those to be, you know, as best as they can for you. I know a lot of you will draft in the off season. So we're going to continue to our write-ups on the site. We put out the top 100 combined and we had 30 write-ups and we'll continue to add those. Like I said, we're going to continue to, you know, study these guys and try to give you the best rankings we possibly can. So I'm pumped. 
already started looking at 2022 class, which is great. It's going to be a studly class, better than this one, I think. But yep. hey, right now we're focused on this draft <laughs> class. It was a fun one. And I'm excited. It was. It was a very, very interesting draft from start to finish. And right at the beginning, everyone kind of thought it was going to be Marcelo Mayer going to uh, Pittsburgh at number one overall. And they went Henry Davis. And luckily, I never thought this would happen, but Mayer fell to my Red Sox at four. But before we get into the draft class, let's talk some news and notes here. We had a lot of interesting promotions here, uh, a couple to the major league level and others just to a higher level in the minor leagues. Let's start with the two big ones at the major league level. Jaron Duran to my Red Sox and Brandon Marsh just got caught up earlier today for the Los Angeles Angels. Both very intriguing. Obviously, Duran's the bigger name because he's been you know, having that power outburst this year. But Brandon Marsh, is, I think, is very underrated. Uh, doesn't do anything like stand out, but he's just very good across the board. Uh, we'll start with Duran, Chris. You know, how, what are your expectations for Duran for uh, the rest of this year and moving forward in Dynasty? He's so hard to value rest of the season because the way prospects have gone this year in redraft. Right. Like, so I don't know. Like, I don't have super high expectations. You know, he did collect his first hit in his first game, which was great. You know, he'd definitely like to see that. Off of Garrett Cole. Yep. Even better. So. I don't know. I'm not going to place my expectations too high. Like I didn't go berserk on him in fab this week. Like I'm just not willing to do that with prospects as I've gotten burned a couple of times. So I'm kind of taking it easy there and hoping that, you know, some other guys will get dropped that, you know, I can spend the fab on. Maybe he hits. And yeah, one of one of the prospects is bound to hit and have a, you know, <laughs> studly season. You think, right? Like it's, it's bound to happen. Yeah, we, we think so. But, you know, Duran was killing it in triple A at one point, like I thought Duran's hit tool was easily plus. I'm not really sure I'm there anymore. I think he's probably like an average hit tool. I think he's sacrificed a little bit, but I'm good with the power. Like the power is there, the speed's there. And if he hits 270, then I'm great with it. You know, if he, I think he's a 20, 25 threat, which is fantastic. When you can get that with a 270 bag average, that's highly efficient for fantasy purposes. And you look, the swing change was evident at the alt side last year. His ground ball rate in 2019 was 50.6%. This year in AAA down to 36%. Hitting the ball in the air more and line drives more. Like in line drives are going to be more conducive to batting average. And the fly ball is obviously going to leave the park more. So I'll be interested to see how the power plays in Fenway, but I am excited for that. And this year, my expectations aren't super high, but Dynasty, I think he's easily could be a top 100 Dynasty asset and even rise higher than that. I think he's definitely got that upside. Yeah, he's already pushing top 100 for me. Like you mentioned, the, the power speed threat, easily a potential 20 plus, 20 plus type of guy. You know, I have mentioned before about how, you know, I think it might get his power might get suppressed a little bit by that big right field in Fenway unless he curves it around the pole. A lot. I mean, hey, Jacoby Ellsbury had a 30 home run year uh, back in, oh, I don't even know what year that was, 2012, 2011. God, that was a decade ago now. Um, starting to make me feel old here. But I think, yeah, definitely 2020 is in play. Like he and like, people were like, oh, it's, I heard some people say, oh, it's triple A. I mean, no, this wasn't just triple A induced, like his 15 home runs this year. Like, if you saw the videos, like he was hitting tanks. Like these weren't like wall scrapers just getting out. These were no doubters, 430 plus feet, a lot of them. And you look, you look at his biceps, like he's jacked. Like I would not, I would lose an arm wrestling match easily. Like I think me and Chris could have like be trying to take him on. We'd both lose. Like 
Duran is absolutely jacked. And so you, that power is legit. 15 home runs this year in 46 games for Triple A Worcester. Like you mentioned, got that hit in his first at bat. Um, but yeah, it's with how prospects have been. I'm not going crazy to get him, but long term or dynasty, I think he's going to be um, easily top 100 pretty soon here. And I think he has the upside to climb up near the top 50, especially if the average stays 270, 280 with 2020. You know, that is pushing top 50 right there overall. So really like Duran moving forward here. And then Marsh, too. Like, Mar- all Marsh has done has, has hit. Like, career slash line in the minor leagues 288, 371, 440. And it hit 287 in 2019. Uh, and then the fall league hit 328 in 19 games, was hitting 287 this year in 28 games with four home runs and two steals. The power has kind of been ticking up over the last couple of years. I don't think he's ever going to be a big power guy, but I think definitely could be in like the 15 to 20 range to go along with 20 to 25 steals and a solid average. So he's kind of like, you know, in the same range as Duran, maybe a little more average little less power, but very underrated. Like he's always kind of been in Joe Adele's shadow, even though I think he's might be the better overall player. De- he's definitely safer. Than Adele. Adele might have the higher upside, but Marsh is definitely safer. The power is ticking up, which was kind of the one tool that was lagging behind uh, in, in the lower levels of the minor leagues back in like 2017, 2018. So he'll get a chance here. I'm glad because he's he deserves it. And you know, everyone like he looks like uh, Jason Worth, which is spot on long hair, Big bushy beard. This looks like a baseball player, you know. So I love Marsh moving forward. I think he can be a definitely a top one hundred guy. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm all in on Brendan Marsh. What, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, and people are kind of soured. He was on a slow start, but you look, you know, over his last twelve games dating back to July third. I mean, he's hit four seventeen, three home runs over that span. Things that you like to see. I mean, he's still striking out a little bit too much, which is a slight concern for me, but he's a good play in OBP leagues, especially. He likes to walk a lot. You mentioned he's just a great athlete all around, like out of high school. Like he was recruited to play like D1 football. Yeah. That was the kind of athlete he was. And he turned that down to come play professional baseball. And so, you know, he's solid walk rates, good plate discipline. I think he's got 15 home run pop. And you mentioned he might get steal 20 bags. So over a full season. And like I mentioned, over those last 54 plate appearances, a 1273 OPS. So really coming to his own, he earned the call up and I'm really excited to see what he can do. Like, I think he was kind of due for this and we were hoping to see it last year and, and now he's getting the chance. So really excited about it. And I feel like, all right, so here's the thing, like Duran's had such an exciting season in redraft leagues. He's going to cost you much more. And even in dynasty at this point, and I think Marsh is going to be much more affordable and you can get him pretty cheap in fab and, even in dynasty, I think you might could go out and buy low on him just because prospect fatigue, like, you know, he's 23 years old and seven months. So like he could have came up a while ago and they just hadn't called him up. So you might could get him an affordable price and I'd do so. Yeah. I totally, I totally agree with that. And um, I think this kind of brings up the question too, like, you know, what about Joe Adele? So I think anybody that has Joe Adele, I, I'd remain patient because he's been making some improvements as the year goes on. Like I posted a tweet earlier today uh, in May, Joe Adele hit 235 with a 34.3% strikeout rate. June, 288, 29.6%. And July so far, 371 with a 20.9% strikeout rate. He's up to 19 home runs and seven steals, which is great to see. I'm glad to see him running a little bit again. Four of those steals have come in July, um, and all that came in 61 games so far. So I would remain patient on Joe Adele. I think he's he's making some improvements. He's still not walking a ton, but 
I don't think he's ever going to be more than like a six, seven percent walk guy. Um, so he's really going to have to put the ball in play, but definitely making those improvements. So I would remain patient here. Do you think you think we see Adele soon? Like if I put the over under at what's today, July 18th, let's say, you know, first weekend in August, think he's up by then. I'm going to go. No, I don't I just no? don't think so. I don't know you, why. You think he's up at all this year? I don't know. I don't know if they want to, you know, service time stuff, like because he was up last year and just not performing at the level that they want. Not that he's been bad. Like he's kind of, like you mentioned, he's been coming on, but I'm going to say no. I don't think we see him at least until September, maybe. And it's shot in the dark. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I, I can definitely see that. I mean, it's, it's got to be the case. They just want to give him plenty of time in AAA, you know, fix his issues there. So. That definitely could be the case. Uh, and real quick, let's go through these other prom- promotions here so we can get to the draft talk. A uh, bunch of other promotions to talk about. To Triple A, Ed- Edward Cabrera a couple of days ago got promoted to Triple A, made his first start at that level today. Didn't do well. I think he got four earned and in three innings, but still he's been having a very good year. And then right before we came on the air here, Bobby Witt Jr. and Nick Prado were, were promoted by Kansas City up to Triple A. Uh, a couple Promotions to high A of note, Daniel Espino for Cleveland, Anthony Volpe for the Yankees, and then another Yankees promotion, Jesson Dominguez, who had has probably the funniest video of the baseball season so far with that slide in the third base. Even if, if you haven't seen it, go from what's his name? Eli Fishman, uh, who's been putting out a lot of tweets for, about the Yankees um, lower level affiliates down there. He had a video of a triple for Dominguez. Uh, and I guess Dominguez forgot how to slide in the third base because it was like he went to slide, stopped, stumbled, did like half a cartwheel in the third. Uh, it was hilarious. But out of all these promotions, uh, Chris, you know, who, who do you want to talk about here? Who, what promotion here caught your eye? Did you see Dominguez today? Like the awkward not slide in the second base? Like no, he about hurt himself. Yeah, like I guess I, gonna, I guess he's gonna work on sliding a little bit. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like he he might have a lot of stuff going on for him, but. Dang, like he's he's struggling to get to the bases, man. But I don't know. I thought that was funny. But good thing he wasn't injured either time because you know he really could have been. But yeah, I mean, there's some exciting names that have been promoted. I think obviously Wit and Prado are notable because you know, with the protocols right now, you have to be in AAA to be promoted to the majors. And so there that strengthens the chance, in my opinion, that we see them. I still kind of debating whether we see Wit. Like I I just don't see the need for the team to actually call up either of these guys. And maybe they do at the end of the year, but for service time purposes, like they've shown in the past that they don't really care about that, but it'll be interesting. So I think this is a step towards seeing with this year in the majors. Volpe is a prospect that I'm really falling in love with. And I think could really jump rankings if he continues what he's doing. He's been extremely good and, you know, he's flashed a lot of power speed potential and a solid hit tool as well. And so if he can keep performing at this level with the promotion, then you know he's really going to fly up my rankings. And you look at what he's done so far, you know, in low A, hit 12 home runs and stole 21 bags. And you watch him, and you know, I like the way he plays on the field. He plays with a lot of confidence, like he looks like a leader on the field. And so, yeah, he's a guy that I'm a big fan of. So I'm excited to see what he'll do in high A. Only 20 years old and really looks to be breaking out. So the power looks legit. He's got good speed, solid hit tool well-rounded prospect that I think could make a big jump this year. But yeah, all these are fun call-ups and definitely when, when guys jump levels, it's important to watch them to see how they perform. And, you know, some guys struggle out the gate and it's not really cause for concern, but you know, when guys jump levels and just 
keep firing on all cylinders. It's what I really like to see. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a lot of these AAA promotions are really intriguing. Kind of, I think that raises the chance we see. I, I, I already thought we, we'd see Prado this year, um, but I kind of was hanging back on, on Wit. Didn't think he'd be up till early next year, but I think there's a better chance. I'd probably put it near 50% that we see Wit this year. Um, it's definitely worth a stash in deeper leagues uh, if you have the bench space there. And Edward Cabrera, you know, it's just, I think especially with the 6 you know, season-ending injury, re-injury, whatever you want to call it, uh, the, the chances of him coming up now are, have been skyrocketed. I thought he'd be up at some capacity anyway, um, but now he's at AAA. No 6 Miami's kind of been piecing together the back end of that rotation. Just lost Pablo Lopez, so... Uh, I think he won't come up right away. This was, he didn't look great in his first AAA start, but give him a few more starts. He looks pretty good. I think he'll, he'll be up probably sometime, I'd say probably mid-August or so, and he's, he's been pitching very well this year too. So definitely intriguing there on the pitching side of things. And I love, you know, everyone knows I love Daniel Espino. I think he's got like top 20 prospect upside. I think he's got front line upside, filthy stuff. It's just all about how the command control comes along, and it's it's getting there. You know, and he's in a great org to maximize the command and control. You've seen Cleveland, you know, get the most out of their pitchers time and time again. And I have full confidence they do that with Daniel Espino. So very, very excited to see him get the bump to high A. And hopefully, I don't think he'll get up to double A this year, but maybe next year up to double A. So I'll be able to get some live looks to him next year. Um, and I'm hoping Volt, Volt might get a call up. I don't know. We'll see. It's already, you know, late getting into late July here. So maybe we don't, I don't see Volt at the double-A level this year, but definitely next year along with Espino. So that's exciting news there. Let's get into the draft. Enough of that. Uh, the big subject here, obviously, is a draft. Let's start with the elite prep shortstops here because those are kind of the guys that everyone was talking about. Um, you got Marcelo Mayer, went number four to Boston. Jordan Lawler, six to Arizona. Brady House, 11 to the Nats, who they needed an impact bat in a bad way. So that was a great pick by them. And then Khalil Watson slid way down to the Miami Marlins at 16 here. Were you, how surprised were you, Chris, to see Watson slide all the way down to 16, where on some mock drafts he was going second, third, and there's even some rumblings he might go one overall to Pittsburgh. So how surprising was that to you? Yeah, and that was the talk, like literally 30 minutes for Pittsburgh pick that there was talk that Watson was the pick. And, you know, when they interviewed Henry Davis, he he said that he knew about an hour before they picked. So I guess, you know, the rumblings were before that. They didn't really know. And, you know, they didn't have that locked in. And and most drafts, normally that first pick is locked in. So it was fun this year to, to not really know who was going to go one overall. So, yeah, I was definitely surprised by that. But then, you know, things started to surface a little bit with Watson about why a lot of teams skipped on him. I think there was a, a very high asking price. And we saw – why Pittsburgh skipped, I think, because they signed Davis for $2 million under slot. They went, you know, high-end prep guys in the later rounds that they're going to end up getting, and it was, looks great right now. And so I think that's why they passed on on Watson there. And then he Watson just didn't have some great fits. There was a high asking price, and there were some rumors kind of swirling about some attitude issues. So I don't really know. I'm not going to speak into that because I don't, I don't fully know. But, you know, it, it's interesting. I think the Marlins did get a great pick there, and I think the – you know, it's easy to see him fitting in that organization. And he kind of reminds me the easy comp is like Jazz Chisholm, where he, you know, just naturally fits like that. And he could slide in and and be one of the top prospects in a good system pretty quickly. So yeah, I'm a fan of the pick. I like what the, the Marlins did there. And 
I think that he's going to be a great player. And so he's, I'm in the middle of FYPD right now. And so my home keeper FYPD started on Wednesday and he slipped pretty far. So I think you're going to get a great pick. Like he went, let me look back. Cause I think in, and this is also, we don't, we only keep six minor leaguers in 10 spots or 10 teams. So 60 guys are rostered, but even still like uh, Watson fell to, 16th actually which is interesting so he fell 16th in your first year player draft yeah and it sucks because it sucks i had picks uh four and five and then they didn't pick again until later so i missed on them but yeah that's interesting that's insane i guess they weren't looking at our rankings (laughs) they saw our rankings he was uh fifth overall uh, let's right. tied, for, tied for fourth technically because we had the same three, four, five, but inverted. You have, I think yeah. you have hit, you had Watson five item three. Yeah. Um, but again, all really close there. And yeah, Watson, he might be one of the best, you know, just looking at your draft, might be one of the best value picks in your, you know, in fantasy first year player drafts because he might slide. A lot of people kind of look at the draft slot too much when it comes to these first year player drafts. And you know, he's no doubt top five guy for me. Except I'm yeah. third. Like he's just, he just does everything well. He hits for average, hits for power. He's a good athlete, good speed. Like he could be above average to plus in all three of those long term. Now he, he's not the biggest guy in the world, five nine, but a buck eighty. But man, like watching him hit, like he just drives the ball. It just jumps off his bat. Very smooth and quick left-handed swing generates you know some nice natural loft. It's a nice slight uppercut swing. It absolutely hammers the ball. So love yeah. that love that fit in Miami. It, that's a great fit in Miami, I think. Yeah, and I, I do want to note in that draft, like there's a lot of good prospects that were available because it's shallower. So like guys like Robert Hassel weren't taken last year. Like Jared Duran was available. All uh, right, Brandon, Mar- Brandon Marsh went before him. I'm not sure I'd make that pick. Jordan Groshans went before him. I'm not sure I'd do that either. Josh Lowe went before him. George Kirby, Anthony Volt, a lot of hype there. Shane Boz, and then then he went. So he was still among, but among the first year player drafts, we'll see. He was one, two, three, four five six seventh just of this draft class so okay but still i think that's still a good value that's there. a great value yeah yeah he's absolutely dominant and then you know the other two big names uh that went four to boston marcel mayer six to arizona jordan lawler uh chris and i those are our one two chris has mayer first i have lawler first it's very close i think either way you look at it i guess i'll, I'll speak to lawler here real quick and then chris i'll let you go on mayer uh, but my, my Boston boy, but I'll let you take him as you put him number one overall in yours. Uh, the, the reason why I went, I've always kind of been Lawler by the slightest margin over Marcelo Mayer, who I love as well. And and I almost wanted to bump Mayer up the one after he went to Boston. I was like, oh man, Mayer and Fenway, that's just enticing, even though he's a lefty. But um, Lawler, I think, you know, maybe you give the slight hit tool edge to Mayer. And maybe even a slight power edge to Mayer, slightly. I think there's a, a bigger gap in terms of speed. I think Lawler is a plus runner. I think Mayer, you know, may, he's slightly above average now. I think he might go down to average long term. So you're looking at six six five for Mayer, I think, and you know, 55, 55, 60 for Lawler, and maybe even sixty power. I think he still got some projection on that frame. Six two one ninety, very strong, very quick right handed bat. Um, Love this all around potential here and going to Arizona. I love the Arizona org. Uh, they've been really been doing a great job out there and just adding him into Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas and eventually Christian Robinson. Once again, uh, just give him, they give them four of 
like the top 30 to 40 hitting prospects in baseball. So uh, I think just that speed edge makes me go Lawler here. Uh, so I think he can be a, you know, two, you know, it's, it's hard to say because he's still only 19, you know, but guy that hits 280 ish or something like that, 20 home runs, 25 steals, maybe even more. We'll see how, how the frame develops here, but love the all round skills here, but man, Mayer is going to be a monster as well. And I was really excited. I, I was freaking out. Honestly, I was, yeah, I was yelling as loud as I could yell without waking up my two children. I was <laughs> like in the rooms adjacent to me, um, you know, trying to keep my voice down. But at the same time, I was like yelling into a pillow. I was like, so it hyped up, but Chris, what puts Mayer one for you? Yeah, I think you hit it on the head with, he's, he's not going to run. Like I, I don't think he steals many bags at all when you know we see him in the majors at that point because you you look at a frame where he should really grow into you know he's got a sweet left-handed swing at he's 6'3 180 I think there's plenty of room to grow and you know I've already got questions as to why is he number one he's not he doesn't have power people have told me that but I don't think that's true and you know looking at him right now I already think that there's average power there and it's easy to see him growing into more and I think you're right. I think he's could grow into plus power where I think we see him hit 25 bombs in a season. And, you know, a lot of people have said Corey Seager type production with the hit tool and power. And, you know, Corey Seager doesn't run at all, similar frames. And I think he can stick at shortstop. You know, that's another thing where I, he's big for the position, but I don't see him really outgrowing it. And I just think the profile is pretty well-rounded here where I think he's got probably the best hit tool in the class and definitely of the prep shortstops we've mentioned and, you know, the power getting a plus would be, be really big for him. And so for me, like, I, I feel like the profile is just a little safer and, you know, Lawler's a little older, not, not a bad thing. And I think people do shy away from that because he's a prep guy that's already 19. Right. But at the end of the day, like that's not that big of a deal. He's six months older than, than Marcelo Meyer. Who cares? You know, not when they're 26 and a half and 26, no one's going to really care. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see. I think you make an argument for both. They're they're both pretty close to my overall. I think within six spots of my overall prospect ranking. So there's a fair argument here for both guys, and I, I like both equally. And you know, if you're looking for the speed aspect, then then definitely go with Lawler. But I just think Myers the more well-rounded profile. So that's kind of where why I lean that way. It just feels a little safer for a prep guy. And you know, all draft prospects come with risk. Every prospect comes with risk, but. Right. When I look at, I see that well-rounded profile that, that feels safer. So that's kind of why I lean him first overall. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Like I say it's, it's very close. I have them within like four spots, my overall rankings uh, that come out today, by the way, um, on Monday, when you're listening to this, so go check those out. Fantrexhq.com. And then the last one here, which we've touched about, talked about before in Brady house. And now you got a live look at house earlier on in the spring. And I saw recently you kind of hinted that you think the hit tool for Brady House is better than a lot of people, you know, kind of give him credit for. So where, where do you have House long-term? I think we both had him in the same, roughly the same spot in our rankings here, like six or seven overall. And obviously people know about the power, a little bit of speed there as well, big guy. Um, but you, you think the hit tool will be better than, you know, people give him credit for. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, I don't, uh, from what I've seen, like seeing him live and then even watching some film of him, like to, to say that he's a below average hit, I think is questionable. I think he's easily an average hit. Tool. Yeah. I, I, even I say at least average. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, I could even potentially see him getting to above average because you watch the way he controls his arm. And that's what really stood out to me is, you know, they didn't pitch to him. Like, so when I was there, 
you have an average high schooler, they're not going to throw a guy like Brady House a lot of good pitches to hit. And so they kind of worked around him, but he still, he was patient one. Like I could see him being a high OBP guy at the next level because I, I saw him, you know, select pitches well that he watched and those that also he swung at. And then he he did the last at bat. He almost hit one out opposite field, but he got into a three, two count. They kind of worked around him, And then he got a couple called strikes on kind of questionable pitches. And so on three, two, they throw him like a curveball low and away. And he goes down and gets it and almost hits it out opposite field. And I thought just the way that he controlled his own, the way that he was patient, the way that he selected the pitch he was going to swing at was, was there. And then, you know, if you haven't seen him perform against Dylan Lesko, then you've missed out. Obviously, like I really wanted to be at that game. I wasn't there, but there's a ton of film on it. And Lesko is going to be the best prep arm that we might have seen in the last few years. Like you watched him at perfect game. Uh, this weekend and he's nasty like he he, he may yeah i mean he might be the highest drafted prep arm in a long in the last few years at least and house just dominated against lesco like that was the day that house really solidified that he was a high-end draft prospect and i thought that solidified his status as like a top five prospect which is interesting that he fell to the nats which i think was a great pick at 11 for them but what he did against Lesko is he didn't let Lesko get to him early. He swung early in the count. Like Lesko is the best arm that he faced, and Lesko is better than arms that House is going to face in these like rookie ball complex. Like just right. being honest, like Lesko is that good, and so he knew that the Arsenal was elite. I mean, Lesko was pumping like up to ninety eight as a, a junior in high school with you know a plus curveball. He's got a legit four pitches, and House was swung early in every count. I think the the only time. The, the last at bat. So he got hits on the first three at bats against let's go. And then the fourth at bat was the only one he got out. I think he popped out to second base, but he got a little deeper in that count and let's go really exploited him with the arsenal there, but still like he didn't strike him out. He, he had three hits against him and everything I've seen from house, like the hit tool is there. How we see it against like next level pitching. We'll see, but with what he did against let's go. Like I think the arguments there for him to be an above average hitter and the power is legit. Like, easily I, I could see him getting a 70 grade power like the way he controls his on the way he gets that bat speed and he even made adjustments this year and that was the biggest thing so i think two summers ago he really or i guess last summer now he struggled with the hit tools. I and mean, that was a question but you look and he made legit changes to his stance and his swing that really helps him get to the ball better and he didn't sacrifice power in that he's a big boy even he's capable of sticking it shortstop like he's already nolan arenado's size right now like He's really big, and it was, you see him in person. He's like, "Dang, this kid's big for a high school or so." Yeah, I've kind of rambled on him a lot, but you know, I've, I've of all the guys, like I've probably looked in the house the most. So I think he's legit. Like, even though we have him below the other shortstops, like he's just as capable of being as good. He's just not going to be a runner. He moves well for yeah. us, but he's not going to steal any bags. So you know, I definitely like House, and I think he's going to be a good value in FYPDs. So I, I have two questions for you. One. Would you say his frame is he's built like a house? <laughs> Pretty close to it. All right. Let's try to get that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> the other more serious question. Long term, do you think 575 is possible? Five hit, seven power, five speed? He's probably below five speed, but yeah, five hit and seven power is. is I mean, I wanted him to end up in Colorado so bad. I like, know. I, I yeah. did too. He would have launched balls in Coors Field, but they probably would have screwed him up. So. You know, 
<laughs> Who knows? Owen's uh, like, we all have, they probably would have screwed him up. It's just how the Rockies go. <laughs> but man, we're, we're going to talk about another, the guy that actually did go to Colorado here in a little bit. Um, yeah, so I, I think with Halsey, I mean, as you hit it on the head, I don't really have much else to add here. Yeah, I, I think he ends up being like a, you know, 270 ish hitter, 30 plus home runs, adds in, you know, handful, like maybe five to eight steals, something like that. And the Nationals just really, really needed a impact player here because outside of Kate Cavalli, it's like most of their top hitting prospects this year are, are struggling mightily. Jackson Rutledge is struggling mightily. So it's like, ooh, Kate Cavalli. And then so yeah. getting Brady House is like I, I put House just behind Cavalli in, in my overall. Uh, he's just inside my top 50 overall. Cavalli's just inside my top 50. But yeah, I, I like House a lot, and I've really come around on House. Um, like like you said, I think the hit tool um, has definitely gotten better this year. So definitely makes me feel a little better about projecting him to be you know an impact bat long term, not just a low average high power guy. But let's go ahead and take a quick break here. We'll come back on the other side, talk some more prep bats that we're intrigued by, some college guys, and some late round targets. So don't go anywhere. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer Aerospace Excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. All right, welcome back from the break. Just talk some elite prep shortstops from this 2021 draft. Now there's let's talk to the other top prep bats here. We got, was it one, two, three, four, five, six names on the list here. But let's start with who Colorado actually took at pick number eight, Benny Montgomery. And let me just say this. I think if the hit tool comes along, Benny Montgomery might have the highest fantasy upside in the entire class. This is a 6'4 prep outfielder from Pennsylvania. He is a 70 grade runner. He is at least plus raw power, maybe even you know more than that. I'm not ready to go 70 on his raw power, but he's at least 60 raw power, 70 speed, big time athlete. But the hit tool, <laughs> the hit tool, and the approach there are the issues and strikeout issues, contact issues. Right now, he's not 50. If he was 50, he might be number one overall uh, in my rankings, or at least up in the top five. Um, I'd say maybe 45 hit right now in that general ballpark. I've seen some forties on this hit tool. So the hit tool needs to work, but man, Chris, that type of power speed blend in Colorado, if the hit tool comes along, he might be better than Zach Veen. I know and I love Zach Veen, but <laughs> he might be better than Zach Veen. Yeah. And I think when you look at the overall draft class, like when you look at the best power speed combo, it's hard to argue against him. Right. So- it really is he's got the upside and I think this is a big boomer bust play. Like you could take Montgomery and he really hit like, like if he, the hit tool develops, then he's obviously going to be a stud because the speed, like you mentioned is legit. Like some of the run times are insane and, you know, even push above 70, like you mentioned, which is nuts. But uh, obviously I could see that tapering off a little bit. Like considering his size, like, he runs really, really well. 6'4", 200, and moves like that. That's impressive. 
the speed's likely to taper off with time. But when you're when you're running those clock times that are double plus, then you know even if you taper off and you're still a plus runner, like that's fantastic. And the power you mentioned is, is really good. The contact issues are questionable, but I think he last summer he made contact against some good like showcase arms. And I don't know. There, there's question marks. There's you know who knows. Maybe the biggest question mark, maybe the biggest risk reward of any draft prospect, you know, where you're going to take him in FYPD is Benny Montgomery. But if you like to take risk, then he's one worth taking a risk on, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. If yeah, if you want upside, Benny is your guy. Like, I want that hit tool to play so bad. Like, this guy could be an absolute monster for fantasy purposes. Uh, so we have him top ten overall. I have him. Where'd I put him overall? I think seventh, and you had him eighth. Eight, so, yeah. yeah, the upside's there. If that if that hit, hit tool comes along, like, fingers crossed, because this guy could be an absolute monster offensively. Um, next one, next prep bat here on the list, Harry Ford. He's a catcher right now, but, you know, who knows if he stays a catcher long-term? Probably not, but big athlete for a catcher. Like, he moves very well, good speed, kind of does everything well. How excited are you about Harry Ford? And, and do you like that landing spot in Seattle? Yeah, it's a great landing spot. I'm very excited for him. The reports on him have been absolutely stellar. And you know, I might be a little low on him, you know, as my ninth FYPD guy. He he might have an argument to go higher just on the reports I've been reading. And he's legit. I, I think he moves off the position. I really do. I I mean, he's capable of catching. Yeah, like a hundred percent. But I could see him moving off the position if they want to move him quicker because the bat is going to play everywhere. He could easily move to, you know, corner outfield spot. He might even could play like second base, which would be nuts, but he, he's definitely capable of doing that. So who knows where he ends up? But yes, one that I'm very excited about and, you know, legit raw power, legit plus speed. The hit tool, I think, is is solid. Like it's probably an average hit tool. Could be, you know, could be a little better, but we'll see how that develops. But man, he's he's one that's got a lot of upside as well. And you know, prep catchers per se don't always work out; haven't worked out very well. But if he moves off position, then you know, I think it'd be honestly best for him for for fantasy value at least. Yeah, and with him, I'll just say look at Tyler Soderstrom from last year's draft. Granted, different profiles. You know, Soderstrom doesn't have the speed; he's more of just a bat, but. You know, these prep guys, prep catchers, I should say, that are probably going to move off. Like, don't dock them because they're a catcher now. Just look at the profile. Like, all right, they're probably moving off because, you know, with Soderstrom's case, obviously there's Sean Murphy uh, out there in Oakland who's probably sticking there long term, obviously, because of his defensive skills. And then in Seattle, they got uh, Cal Raleigh. So, you know, four could definitely move probably to a corner. And yeah, just that all around profile is going to be pretty enticing for fantasy purposes. I probably have him. You, you said you have him too low. I, I definitely have him too low. I probably got to bump him up. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think I have him thir- I'm 13th or 14th. Um, but yeah, so yeah, very high on, on Ford here. He's definitely got see, that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, did you see what Jerry DePoto said about him? No. They said they, they, said they think he's a 65 runner and a 70 power potential. <laughs> that's Ooh. insane. For a GM to say that about a guy, like that's pretty impressive. That is very impressive. I don't know if I, I'm quite this, at the same uh, <laughs> same evaluation, but yeah, definitely very enticing all-around player for fantasy purposes. So 
definitely one to look at. You know, he'll probably fall out of the top 10 in most FYPDs, I, I'm guessing, because he's a catcher. But definitely one to target, you know, if you have a pick in that 9 to 15 range and you want some upside. And Benny Montgomery's off the board. I'd, I'd go Montgomery over him. But if Montgomery's off the board, you know, Ford is definitely a great upside pick there. Uh, a couple others a couple others were taken in the 20s. Colson Montgomery, 22 to the White Sox. And Max Muncy, another Max Muncy taken by Oakland, who had the same birthday. It's just weird. Yeah, weird. Um, time to get confused all over again. Um, who, who do you like more out of these two, Chris? Montgomery or Muncy? Uh, I'm not particularly crazy high on either, but I guess if I had to land on one, probably Montgomery. I have him a little higher in my rankings. You know, again, the hit tool might be the Montgomery's, you know, they have some questionable hit tools, I guess, but Colson at least, you know, could be below average, could see him get up to, I mean, hopefully average, you know, he's got plus raw power in my opinion. The speed is, is average. So solid speed, but you know, kind of well-rounded profile there. And, I don't know. Some people like the pick more than others. I've had heard some that are really, really high on Colson. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. But kind of right now, I don't know. It's an interesting profile that I think is intriguing, but one that I'm not like crazy about. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you. I didn't rank either of them too highly. I do have uh, Montgomery higher. I have him 23rd and I have, where do I have Montgomery? I can't find Max Muncy in my rankings. Oh, there he is, 41. Uh, I'm probably a little too low on Muncy there. But, yeah, I, I like that power that Montgomery brings. I think he definitely could be a plus, you know, 25 home run power guy, especially, especially in uh, whatever they call the White Sox. What, what is that White Sox field now? Is that U.S. Cellular? No. What it is it now, changed to – What is it? I went a couple um, years ago. It's hard to keep track of all the park they names. They changed all yeah. the names, yeah. It's just, unless they've been like the same park name for a while, but yeah, um, yeah, it's hard to keep track. And it was US Cellular. I, I don't know what it is now, but it'll hit uh, me like halfway through the show. Right, exactly. 20 minutes a week. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I love that power uh, in that ballpark. And obviously, it's going to be a great lineup. So uh, see how he fits in there long term. He's a shortstop now. Probably moves over to third. We'll see. But um, definitely an enticing bat here. Um, but one that I'm even more excited about. Uh, who went, see Both these two other guys I'm more excited about. Uh, Joshua Baez went 54 to the Cardinals, and Lonnie White went 64 to the um, Pittsburgh Pirates, who had a great draft. Like, if they can sign all these guys. They got Bubba Chandler, Lonnie White, all of them, um, Braylon Bishop, who we were just talking about before we came on. This would be a great draft, but – Baez is one that I really like. He's a cold weather prep bat out of Massachusetts. So I, I was hoping to get to get down to see me. It's a three hour drive for me. So this didn't work out, but he, he's like, you, you think of a prototypical corner outfielder in your mind. You're thinking of Josh Baez. He's six, four I think he still could fill out a little bit more. He's still only 18 years old. Um, he, and he just turned 18, like uh, about three weeks ago, June 28th, he turned 18. So very young, very big, very strong. I think he's got a potential for 70 raw power. He's got a big arm. You know, hit tool is kind of, I think he's a slightly scaled back version of Brady House. I think he's a very similar profile with Joshua Baez, but I think the hit tool is a little bit behind House's. But I think the power is right there with House, maybe even a little bit better. I don't know. 
it might be me being crazy, but I love Joshua Baez. I think he could be a you know thirty the thirty five homer bat. He has that thunderous right handed stroke, drives the ball in the air. If he can figure out the hit tool, he's going to be an absolute monster. He was he was a Vandy commit, um, which is always a good sign. Vandy's obviously one of the best baseball schools in the nation. I'm just all in on Joshua Baez. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I don't know. I'm probably a little lower on him than you. I, the film that I've watched, like, there's some swing and miss concerns. And there are, yeah. I, I've heard that that's improved, but, you know, I want to see it. Like, I want to see it. And you mentioned he's young, which is a positive sign. Like, he's, you know, a good bit younger than a lot of people in the class. But, you know, even House, House just turned 18 as well. But I think the raw power is comparable there. I think House probably has a little more raw power, but Baez definitely has it. House is probably the little bit better runner as well. But hit tool, definitely the edge to house. But like you said, you said it for a reason, a scaled back version. Yeah. If it comes around, I do like the pick. Like I think it was a good landing spot for him. I think he can develop. And, you know, he's so young. Like you could easily see the hit tool developing. But for me, Lonnie White is one that I'm more excited about because White is just a well-rounded athlete. I mean, this kid was a four-star wide receiver to commit to Penn State. He's never focused on baseball. Like, Last summer was the first time that he had ever spent time just focusing on baseball when he did the prep circuit, when he did the showcase circuit last year. He was a three-sport star. He's a stud on the diamond. And I think that when we see him focusing on baseball, that he's really going to blossom. And I said the same thing about Will Taylor, who, you know, he's going to Clemson. But I really thought, you know, White and Taylor were two in this class that would, would really pop when they got drafted and focused solely on baseball. But, you know, White's got a, a well-rounded set of tools. He's obviously, like I mentioned, he played wide receiver. He's got some great speed. I think he he's a double-plus runner. The power in his swing, I think it could develop as well. And yep. the hit tool's coming around, like I mentioned. When, when you really haven't spent the time to focus on baseball, it's hard. I mean, the biggest knock on him was the hit tool and the lack of consistent contact against these high-end velocity guys. But when he's seeing it more regularly, I think that, it will come around, but it's interesting because he's got a shorter swing and he still gets that power and the short swing. I think with more reps, he'll see less swing and miss in this game. He's going to be more consistent with that swing than having a huge long swing, but the strong physical type guy, he's six, three two twelve, And he runs like, you know, lightning. So when you have that skill set, have the frame, you, you can't coach the athleticism here. He's already got it. Yeah. I think he's like a, a potential to stick in center field like he's that kind of athlete and fielder good threat on the base paths if he if he hits and the power develops like this kid could be an absolute stud yeah i was gonna say like if you miss out on montgomery and you want someone kind of like montgomery go get lonnie white you can get him a good i don't know 20 plus picks later so pittsburgh absolutely i can't praise ben charrington's draft class enough like this was a great draft class top to bottom. Like I mentioned all the upside guys they got that looks like they're probably all going to sign somehow, uh, especially with the, like you mentioned, they save nearly $2 million with Henry Davis, which is a good start. Um, but yeah, Lonnie white is like you mentioned six, three two twelve, still has more projection on that frame. I think he could be right up there, like six power. You know, maybe if he adds bulk mature, you know, as he matures physically, maybe he drops a little bit from 70 grade, but I don't think he'll drop past 60. So we're looking at at least plus runner, potentially above average a plus power guy as well. And like you mentioned, he needs, once he starts focusing more on baseball, this guy could really, really take off. And this guy, 
has just all the tools you want. Like I said, he's basically got a Montgomery type of profile in him just with less like, you know, baseball experience a little bit, even though they're both high schoolers, obviously. But yeah, Lonnie White's very, very intriguing. Both these guys are intriguing. I'd say definitely, even though I have bias ranked a little higher now, I'd say Lonnie White. Uh, oh, no, actually, I only have bias ahead of by a few spots, but I'd say Lonnie White definitely has the higher upside. Like He could be one of the top five players from this draft class for fantasy purposes. So definitely very intriguing there. A lot of intriguing prep bats in this class. Uh, we'll, we'll, t- we'll talk about more of those guys in later episodes, but let's go over to the collegiate guys now. Starting, obviously, at number one, Henry Davis going to Pittsburgh, and a little bit of a surprising pick. Like I said, everyone kind of thought it was going to be Marcelo Mayer for the most part. Then they get Davis at one. But it doesn't really surprise me. You know, they already had, you know, Nick Gonzalez last year. They got O'Neill Cruz. Catcher has been a spot that Pittsburgh has not really had a good catcher in a while. So it doesn't really, once, I, once you think about it, it didn't really surprise me too much. Um, but I like Davis. You know, he's not Adley Rushman, who is, but he's kind of like 90% of Adley Rushman. I think he could be above average to plus on both, you know, hit and power. Uh, he's already, I think, he might be my number two overall catcher already for fans. Purposes. He's kind of in that same range. Actually, he is. Yeah, he's my number two catcher right now, if you don't include Tyler Sotram as a catcher. But um, I have him in my top uh, 35 overall, number 34 overall, uh, just a little bit ahead of Francisco Alvarez. I know, Chris, you're higher, uh, very high on Alvarez. Yeah. You have, who do you like more long-term, Alvarez or Henry Davis? And what are your thoughts on Davis in general? Yeah, I mean, I've got Alvarez higher. I, I like both guys a lot so it could go either way but yeah i mean davis was the the best college hitter in the class i don't think there was any doubting that and behind the plate he's solid he's got an elite arm as well so he's going to fit in really nicely with some of these talented pitching prospects that pittsburgh has so i think that was kind of some motivation too not to mention i assume they already had deals in the works with these you know under slot or the over slot high school guys later which was an incentive to take Davis here in that first spot, but hard to argue with what he did against high-end college competition in the ACC. I mean, this season alone, hit 370, 482 OBP, 15 home runs, and 10 steals. Like, he even moves pretty well. So that was fun to see. And for his collegiate career, ended up with a, a 337, 435, 565 slash line. I think there's impressive power here. It's at least above average. Obviously, I'm not expecting him to run much. I don't. I think he he's not a guy that's going to steal a lot of bases. Like, it's easy to see, you know, JT Real Muto who steals bags, but I don't really see that here from him. He may give you a handful, but not a ton. And I like the pick overall. I think if you want a safer bet with an FYPD pick, like I think you go this way, even though catchers are meh, whatever. But <laughs> Davis feels like a safer bet here, you know, among the hitters because the hit tool is solid. The power we know is there. He's done it against high end competition. I mean, the ACC is some of the best college competition in the country. So, yeah, he's one that I'm not worried about when, when we think about bust potential because he's just kind of solid all around. So definitely excited about Davis. Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned he's probably you – know, he might be the safest. Like If you want safe, even though he is a catcher, I think you might you want, might want to go Davis if you have a top five pick there because obviously the other guys taken in the top five are either probably going to be the prep shortstops that, we, that we've mentioned or, you know, you're talking about like – you know, one of the arms like Jack Leiter or Jackson Job or whoever, who we'll talk about next week. Um, so if you don't want to go pitcher, you don't want to go, you know, one of the prep guys, Davis is probably your guy. Like this year, 374, 82, 663 at Louisville, 15 bombs in 50 games, a very rock solid profile. 
only struck out 24 times in 228 plate appearances with 31 walks. So a very great plate approach as well. Except he's kind of like scaled back Adley Rushman, but it's a very good all around hitter. I think he could be like a 280, 25 guy, be a top 10 or a top five fantasy catcher down the road. Uh, so definitely love that bat. And then the other one that was taken inside the top 10, Colton Kowser from Sam Houston State. You know, not one of the bigger, you know, collegiate schools in terms of baseball talent. They don't play in a, in a big conference. But Colton Kowser definitely has the upside to be a top 10 guy. Uh, Chris, where did you have him in your rankings, Chris? Did he finish top 10 for you, or do you have him just outside? I had him 12th in FYP. Okay. I got a little flack for it on Twitter, but, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I just think it, another safe profile, but one that's like limited upside here. You know, solid hit tool, solid runner. I have questions about the power. That's that'll be the biggest question mark is is what kind of power does he get to at the professional level? So again, right. I, I like the profile. I think it's a safer one, but again, like he hasn't played a ton of high end competition. I mean, they played some games. I think they played Texas and Texas Tech and Baylor. You know, he didn't have like elite numbers against them like he did overall. And the 16 home runs this year was a little bit of a surprise. So I'll be curious to see how that sticks. But, you know, again, hard to argue against the numbers that he had. But when I look at the profile, I think it's easy to call him you know, above average, potentially plus runner. And I think there's potential for a plus hit tool. But the power, I think, is just the biggest question mark. So, again, one that we'll we'll see. I think he's kind of a wait-and-see approach. And that's the thing. If you miss out, like, you're going to miss out because someone's going to be – higher on than you most likely in your league right. just because you, they look at the numbers and they see him as the fifth overall pick and, and they're going to take him. But I like Kowser. I don't love Kowser. That's fair. Um, so do you think, where do you, where do you think his power ends up? You think five power? Yeah, I think it's average power. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I have him too. I think, you know, 55 to 60 hit six, 60 speed, around 50 power. I think that's fair. So what, you know, 280 type of hitter, maybe 15 home runs, 20 to 25 steals. I think that's still a very good overall profile. And I like the landing spot too. Um, and you called it too, and you, you kind of picked him going to Baltimore, and it makes a lot of sense with how they operate. But um, I love that Baltimore system. It's definitely on, a system on the rise. You see the guys like Gunnar Henderson breaking out this year. You know, Kobe Mayo is a guy I like as well from the last draft class. Definitely a system on the rise. So I like the landing spot. And obviously that home ballpark is a hitter's ballpark as well in Camden Yards. So a lot to like there. He's got a good approach. You know, he walked more than he struck out in college. 76 walks to 70 strikeouts, uh, including 42 to 32 in his final season at Sam Houston State. So, yeah, I think he's definitely it's a very good all-around profile. Yeah, so that doesn't stand out, but um, it's definitely very solid. Can do a little bit of everything here. Uh, who do you like more? Do you like him more or do you like McLean more? I personally go... I'm not the biggest McLean guy. I think he's kind of how you just described um, uh, Kowser. Like, yeah, he has, he's a plus runner for sure. McLean is um, shortstop out of UCLA. But I don't know. I, I don't see him being like a big power guy either. I think he's I, I think he's actually got a profile very similar to how you just mentioned. Maybe I think he's a little less power potential than Kowser, maybe a little more speed. But I think they're pretty close. But what, what are your thoughts on McLean? Yeah, I've got McLean, I think, 10th overall. So they're, like I mentioned, pretty close. The edges that McLean has performed against high end competition, yeah. and he's done it pretty consistently. This is a guy that was drafted first round out of high school, and he turned it down to go play at UCLA. He struggled his freshman year, and he was having a fantastic sophomore campaign last year before the shutdown. And this year, I mean, 
people are easy to kind of shy away from what he did this year, but he struggled out the gate really bad. And then he came on strong to end the year and he still finished with nine home runs and nine stolen bases with a slash line of 333, 434, 579. So an OPS over a thousand, which is impressive when, again, the conference he's playing in, in the PAC 12 is a much higher end conference as opposed to Cal's like, I'm like my UCLA is one of the best baseball schools in the country. They produce good athletes. I think it's a great landing spot. Like for a guy that lacks a little power playing in great American ballpark is fantastic for him. I think the hit tool is better than Kowser's. I think the speed's better than Kowser's. You mentioned you probably give the power edge to Kowser, which I think is fair, but I think McLean has a profile that he could get to 15 home runs potentially. We'll, we'll see, but I, I trust the hit tool here. The speed, I don't see it really tapering off. I really like McLean, and everything I've seen from him has been impressive. And you know, he's one that I've seen a lot more of than Kowser as well. So, like, that's another thing when I've I've watched a lot of McLean film and the guy that's always kind of stood out that I've liked. So, I I give him the edge, but it'll be interesting to watch how both these guys develop because they're not like high end like like upside guys. So, it'll be yeah. fun to see. Yeah, for sure, and and that that's very valid. A couple other here guys that were taken in the inside the top twenty. Trey Sweeney out of Eastern Illinois going twentieth overall to the New York Yankees. That's an intriguing landing, landing spot. A guy that really kind of raised his draft stock this spring. And then Sal Freelick went fifteen to the Milwaukee Brewers out of Boston College. Here, both very intriguing bats here. Maybe, maybe they aren't the highest upside guys, but they each can do you know a, a little bit of everything. Um, different profiles here, but. Who, are you, who do you think has the higher upside here? Like five years down the road, who do you think is the higher ranked prospect or you know higher ranked fantasy player, Freelick or Sweeney? I think it's easily Sweeney. I don't. I don't really think this one's close because I don't. No? I don't really see Freelick getting to the power, which maybe it's crazy, but I think Sweeney's really underrated, and he's one of my favorite like later snags here. And like, I don't think he's going to go like late in FYPDs, but I'm intrigued by the profile. Again, he's a guy that went to Eastern Illinois, so like not the highest in competition. But when you look at the pure numbers and the kind of like data he's produced, like it's hard to argue against him. And, you know, I've read reports where he had max EV of over 110, which is pretty impressive for a college guy. It's like higher than Davis, higher than a lot of these guys. His contact rate this year was well above 85%. I don't know. Like I'm really intrigued here. I think he could perform really well, especially that landing spot, like you mentioned. I think he's going to pop and be one of the better better profiles here and could be a safer profile. Like when you look at the contact skills that he has and he hits the ball really hard, I could really see him tapping in some power there. And you know, from a pure number standpoint this year of what he did, again, competition like Kowser's, not the best, but still 14 home runs, 382 batting average, 522 OBP. Like he was getting on base more than 50% of the time, a 1234 OPS and – when I found some of that underlying data, I'm like, man, this guy has a really, really intriguing profile that just didn't get a lot of looks. And, you know, the Yankees, I consider a pretty smart organization for the most part. And so I'm intrigued here. I think I'm going to get a lot of shares of Trey Sweeney in first year player drafts. I agree with all that. I definitely agree that uh, he's definitely the more intriguing bat. Um, but I think for Vance purposes, Eileen Freelick, honestly. Um, cold weather guy, Boston College, and all he did at Boston College was hits. He, he had a, a subpar start to 2020. So I think he, I think he could have gotten it going, but he was obviously limited to only 15 games for the shutdown. 
Um, and I do agree that the power obviously isn't great. I think he's, you know, a 40 power. But I think, you know, he's got the bat speed, back barrel control, really controls the zone well. I think he's a guy that could just run into like 10 to 12 home runs a year. And, you know, maybe if he had some bulk, it's up into like the 14, 15 range at peak. But I just, I love the hit tool. I love the speed. Uh, this guy sold 38 bags in college in 102 games. Only got caught eight times. Uh, more walks than strikeouts, 60 to 50. 345, 435, 521 slash line. I think I think this guy is tailor made to hit like high in the order, one or two, with that the contact skills, which I think are plus the approach, the speed he has. So I think he could be like a guy that hits over 280, you know, has a solid like 360s, 370 OBP, 10 to 12 home runs, 25 plus steals, a lot of runs scored. Uh, I definitely think he's going to be, you know, and I think he. You look at all the guys coming up in, in Milwaukee, too. I think that could be a very intriguing lineup in a handful of years. We'll see. All these guys are still pretty young, but I like Freelick a lot. I like Sweeney, too, but yeah, I think he's a bat-only guy, and I do love that landing spot with the Yankees. I, w- I wish he was a lefty, though, but uh, yeah, I, I do love I know, right? Like, if he was a lefty, I, I would take Sweeney. I'm going to say that. Like He, he kind of reminds me with the bat, kind of like Austin Wells, who the Yankees took last year. I think he has the same kind of upside with the bat, but at the same time, Wells is a lefty. So um, that's why I value Wells uh, higher than Sweeney. But you know, I don't think he's going to be a zero in speed, but I think he's a guy that's going to be, you know, solid, you know, above average hitter and power guy. Adds in a little bit of speed. I think that speed advantage that um, Freelick has is bigger than the power advantage that Sweeney has. So that's why I go Freelick, but it's very close in my overall rankings. They're uh, three spots apart right now. So it's like in my FYP ranking, excuse me, um, the three spots apart. I both of them set my top 100 overall uh, in my new top 400 overall prospect ranking. So definitely two very intriguing bats that I like a lot here. Uh, a few others here, uh, two others that we'll talk about here. Christian Franklin out of Arkansas, nice power speed threat, slipped the pick 123 to the Chicago Cubs. And then Judd Fabian went 40 to the Red Sox here. Chris, how about you, you touch on Franklin here a little bit. I'll touch on Fabian. I'll take my Red Sox this time. Yeah, no, for sure. I like both guys a lot. And this is going to be the thing where people see the draft spot and they just don't really like it. So in FYPDs, right. this tends to happen where people kind of draft based on how the draft actually went. And it, it, to me, it's nuts that Franklin fell out far. Like Fabian also, like Fabian was in talks to be the number one pick prior to the season. And I know there was some hit tool concerns. He made real adjustments and I'll let you hit on that. But with Franklin, you know, this, there's similar stuff with the hit tool concerns, the strikeout numbers, but again, he's facing high end competition. He's got some pretty good tools there. I mean, power speed is intriguing. And even still, like he still hit 274, the OBP, like 420. I mean, he walks at a good rate. The strikeouts are there. He may be like a, a three outcome type guy, but I hope the hit tool does develop. And, you know, I like the landing spot that in Chicago there. That'll be interesting. But even still, I think that he's just being really underrated. He really fell off people's radar for some reason. But I still like the profile. I think he can be an average hitter with above average speed and power. He's not going to be super flashy, but I think he's going to get the job done. And it kind of surprises me how people just jumped off the ship so quick with him. But you look, and the profile to me just says that he could be a really solid player. The contact issues. That's the biggest thing. The contact yep. issues. And I normally shy away from this, but 
with both Fabian and Franklin. I think they're going to go low enough in drafts, in FYPD drafts, where you can get a reasonable price on them. So the contact rates for, for Franklin this year were much lower than they were in the past. So it'll be interesting to see if they tick back up. Because in the past, like he's probably been like an average contact guy, and this year it was like below average. So I'm curious to see if that kind of ticks up a little bit and he, he gets back on track. So, yeah, I, I like Franklin with where he goes. I think there's 25 home run potential. I think he could be a, a solid runner as well and still use some bags. So intriguing profile. Absolutely. I have Franklin 17th in my in my first-year player dev rankings, right behind Trey Sweeney, right in front of Gavin Williams. So I like Franklin a lot, and I echo a lot of what you said there. So definitely potentially great value because, like we, like we both said, you look at that draft slot and you know, kind of bump him down the rankings. But definitely worth a you know early round FYPD pick in your drafts this winter or whenever you have your draft. Um, with Fabian, he's one that's been so hard to – figure out where you want to rank him was going into 2021. He was a guy that was, I saw him rank number one on some lists. And then he fell down plenty of lists, every list basically. And then went 40 to the Red Sox in the second round. I love Fabian, his profile at Fenway, right-handed pull hitter that can elevate the ball. That usually means good things at Fenway park. He's easy plus raw power. Easy. I'm not quite. Re- I don't think he's 70, but he's a he's a tick higher than 60 in my mind. And you, and you saw that this year. You know, in 59 games for the University of Florida, had 20 home runs, including two off of Jack Leiter. But you know, the strikeout issues were there. But at the same time, it's not like he's like a, a terrible plate approach guy. He has some strikeout issues, yes, because he struck out in 269 plate appearances this, this year. 29.4% of the time, which is you know pretty high for a top co- collegiate bat. But at the same time, he also walked at a 14.9% clip. So does walk a good amount, which I like to see. You know, even if he I don't think he's ever get maybe even 50 hit as a strike, maybe he's 45 hit long term, like a 250, 260 type of hitter. But with that power, that'll play at Fenway. I think he could be a 30 plus home running bat at Fenway. Has enough speed to add in, you know, I think five to eight steals annually as well. I think he's a slightly below average runner, but, you know, he, he, he ran throughout his entire career, 15 steals in 132 games. I think he'll run a little bit just to add that little extra you know, boost to his profile. First comp that comes to my mind was another former Red Sox uh, left fielder, Jason Bay. I, th- I think he could be kind of like Jason Bay long term, you know, good power, so so everywhere else, but. Definitely a profile that fits well at Fenway. So uh, I like Fabian a lot. And I think if people have soured on him because of his strikeout issues this year, you, you can get him for a pretty solid discount uh, in your first year player draft. Uh, let's go. We have a couple other names we want to talk about here. So we'll hit them quickly so we don't go too long here. Uh, let's go a few of our favorites outside of round one. Chris, who are a couple guys you like that didn't get taken in that first round? Yeah, Connor Norby's one. And he's not, honestly, he wasn't one that I was like super in on prior to the draft but i began to like kind of dive in a little bit on him and he was just impressive in the postseason he looked really good and i think it's hard to ignore what he did you look at the stats and you look at the kind of numbers he produced and they're really solid you hit the power was kind of a a surprise development this year about 15 home runs you know he stole 18 bags 415 bagging average and again like ecu didn't play like elite competition but 
you know, they still played Vanderbilt in the Super Regional. Like, they were a legit program, 484 OBP. I like the profile here. He's in, pretty intriguing to me and is one that I think could really pop off and be a good later-round target. Ethan Wilson's another one who kind of fell a little bit. Like, he prior to the season, he was one that people talked about could be a potential first-rounder, and even, like, when they got up into the, like, 10 to 20 range of the draft and, and that just didn't happen. But South Alabama guy who I think has the profile to be a solid player and he's kind of worth a stab a little bit later. The power wasn't as much there. Like after his freshman year, like he really popped and was, was solid, still a solid bagging average this year. The power just wasn't as much there. He did steal 10 bags, hit eight home runs at South Alabama. But I think that if the power comes back, then, then Wilson's an intriguing target. And another one, my other target that outside of the first round that I like was that don't think it's the respect he really deserves is, is Zach Geloff. And he's from Virginia, a college guy, really solid profile all around. I think that, you know, nothing really stands out here. Like he doesn't have a true like standout tool by any means, but for if you're in a deeper FYPD, like he's one that I think just solid and it's just going to perform so he went in a good spot in Oakland. So I'm a fan of that. And I think he could develop as a solid third baseman for them. Be like the successor to Matt Chapman if he does eventually move on. So it'll be interesting to see. But, you know, one that's just kind of solid around the board who has solid speed, solid power, solid hit tool. And, you know, even if he's like a five on all of them, like that kind of profile will play in a, a deeper FYPD. So those are three guys. And, and Connor Norby, Ethan Wilson – and Zach Geloff, excuse me, that I'm kind of in on. Yeah, I like those guys a lot. Um, my three, I'll start with Dalen Lyle, a guy that I'm probably higher on the most, but he went 47th overall to the Washington Nationals. He was a Kentucky prep outfielder, had a commitment to Louisville. I love like this guy, great hit tool, like one of the better hit tools in the entire draft class. I think he's a plus hitter long-term uh, left-handed stroke, very, very quick swing, a lot of bat speed, short swing, really direct to the ball, can use the entire field really well, doesn't strike out a lot, really kind of controls the plate when he's up there. So that's definitely a great like starting building block to build off of. And, you know, I think the reason why he doesn't get a lot of love is, you know, the power speed isn't really robust right now, right? Like he's, I'm not saying he's a zero. He's, I'm not saying he's like Luis Ares or anything like that or David Fletcher, but Definitely lags behind there, but right now I think he's, I'd say he's slightly above average. I think he's a 55 runner and raw power is probably 45, but I think when he bulks up, I think he's going to be a 50, you know, I, I think 50 power is legit long-term 50 to 55 runner. So, you know, a guy that's pushing 2020, you know, 15 to 20 home runs, 15 to 20 steals, maybe a little more steals than that. Um, I think it'll be a little, a little bit more of a speed guy than he's a power guy. Um, but that hit tool right there is going to carry him and gives him a, a really safer floor than most prep bats you see. Um, so the, he, I think he's a guy that'll probably not get taken too highly in your first year player draft. I think you can probably get him in, you know, outside of pick 30 to 40 or so. Um, as you like said, he went pick 47. So definitely a guy I would target in, in that kind of range after pick 30 or so. Love that hit tool. Uh, and then going to a guy that has the complete opposite profile. Uh, so if you miss out on Benny Montgomery and then you miss out on um, uh, Lonnie White as you want like the big boomer bust upside type of you know pick, you want to go a little bit later, 
go get James Wood. This guy is a beast. Like he should be like looks like he could be playing like defensive end or power forward or something like that. He's six seven two forty of just like strength and speed. You now he's easily plus raw power, maybe even potential for double plus raw power. And he's athletic too. Like you think, oh, he's six seven two forty, not a good runner. No. He's a solid runner. He's at least an average runner. I've seen some 55s put on the run. I don't know. I'm kind of in that 50-55 range on his on his uh, run grade, but definitely at least an average runner, but hit tool. That's the question here, kind of like with Montgomery, with White. It's the hit tool, uh, probably 40 grade right now. Had some strikeout issues this year, senior year of high school, uh, IMG Academy in Florida. I mean, one of the you know premier schools in the country. But, man, that power is so enticing. In fact, he can add in speed. He could be like a 30-homer, 10-steal guy if the hit tool allows. A little bit longer swings. I want to see him kind of – he can clean up the mechanics a little bit, get a little more direct to the ball. Uh, he, the ball jumps off his bat. When he connects, it, it goes a long way. It has that sound off the bat. You know what sound I'm talking about. Everyone knows that sound. <laughs> he, he has that sound, um, and he just creates some nice natural loft and backspin with that swing. So – would just love to see the hit tool develop. Like, give me at least one of these three guys. One other hit tool is developed, please. If all three of these guys bust out, I'll be so d- disappointed because the, the upside on these three is just so immense. Uh, so James Woods, my second guy. Third, a guy that you could probably get super late because he wasn't really a big name at all, but he went to the Rays at pick 63. First baseman, which another, you know, they kind of dinged a little bit because, you know, first base only prospects aren't really. But Kyle Manzardo is a guy that you need to be kind of looking at in the middle rounds of your first-year player draft. Uh, was I said, sec- end of the second round to Tampa Bay out of Washington State University. This is one of the best collegiate bats in the country this year. 365, 437, 640 slash line, 19 doubles and 11 home runs in 47 games in the Pac-12. Very solid conference. So face some pretty good competition. You know, I don't think he's going to be a huge masher or anything like that, but I think – you could see above average hit, above average power, maybe like a Nate Low type long term, uh, even though and Manzaro is a lefty as well. Um, so definitely a lot to like here. Like I said, don't go crazy to get him, but it's definitely a very good all round bat. It'll give you no speed whatsoever, but could give you like, you know, 270, 25, that type of guy. So uh, definitely intriguing and someone that you can get for very, very cheaply. Um, Let's think in another quick player name here. Chris, who's one guy that you think they can get? People can get super late in their first year player drafts that you're really tar- going to be targeting. Yeah, we're, let's talk really, really deep. Like if if you're going like outside of like 150 first year player guys, but Parker Chavers is a guy who was talked about as a potential first rounder after 2019. You know, he dominated his freshman and sophomore season at Coastal Carolina, and he looked you know, every bit the part of a first rounder. And then he kind of fell off a little bit this year. He had a shoulder surgery actually last year that uh, caused him to miss time. Actually, he didn't even play, you know, with the shutdown. So he didn't play at all in 2020 for Coastal. And then this year, you know, he came back. He only hit five home runs after hitting 15 in 2019 and seven his freshman year in 2018. But still, I think the hit tool is solid here. I mean, he hit 318 this year. He was a career 319 collegiate hitter in 750 plate appearances and a guy that's pretty patient as well. He, you know, the strikeout to walk rate 
131 career strikeouts in college and 100, 101 career walks. So a decent OBP guy as well. He's got some solid speed. He stole 33 bags over those 750 plate appearances, 168 games, like I mentioned. He's a local guy here, so I've seen him a decent bit. And I really thought that he could pop this year and just just didn't. Like I want, like I want to see more out of him. But I just wonder, like, when I think about the shoulder surgeries, I just wonder how long that kind of lingers around for power. And we've seen it with somebody like Chris Bryant, who has really affected for a while. And you know, I think that that Chavers has at least average power in the profile. I think he's a plus runner and an average hitter. So that's kind of an intriguing late profile, especially if the power comes back and a guy that was once like kind of revered as a, a first round guy. And, you know, he fell so far and went seventh round to the Cubs, which is a cool landing spot for him. I like that. And I think that he gets back on track and could be a really solid pick. So for a late guy, I think he's got the upside you're looking for. That's kind of like the player the Cubs always get like the, the college guy that slides, like they got Christian Franklin Chavers, you know, Jordan Nwogu last year. Yeah. yeah, they seem to get a lot of these guys that just have the tools, but maybe some, you know, some questions around some part of their profile. But very intriguing. You know, Chavers is a guy I had in the back end of my top 100 as well. That's uh, definitely intriguing. And I'm, I'm going to take a guy that has, has no issues with power. Kyle, not sorry, not Kyle Manzard. Let's talk about him. Nico Cavadas, a big, big first baseman out of Notre Dame. 6'1, 235, just a beast of a human being he is like he hits big boy home runs that's what i call a big boy home run like this guy you go you know go on the twitter google wherever youtube and the search his name and you'll see some absolute tanks this guy hit and 47 home runs this year uh, in his final year at notre dame actually 47 games 22 home runs 64 rbi 302 473 767 slash line 50 walks to 55 K's just an absolute power hitting machine. And this is a guy that wasn't really on the radar. You know, he had, you know, decent first three years, Notre Dame, you know, nothing that really stood out, but this year it absolutely went on an absolute tear. And he felt, I think people thought he'd go higher than he did. He fell to the, my Red Sox at pick. Uh, I feel what the overall, it was 11th round. I forget what the actual overall pick was 300 and something, but absolute you know late round pick here and i think if you're looking for a guy that could click which because he has that one standout tool i i don't think he's i think 50 hit is the ceiling there maybe he's 45 hit long term with absolutely no speed but that power could carry him you know if the hit tool allows it to and that's you know i feel confident that i think the hit tool will be all right just because he's not a big strikeout guy like i mentioned I had almost as many walks as strikeouts playing in a, the solid, you know, ACC conference, one of the better conferences in the country. So definitely think that he could be at least 45 or so there, which I think will let the, it will be good enough to let that power play. And he's an absolute stud there. So I think he's a guy that could hit some, a lot of tanks as a lefty in Fenway. Uh, not many people can, but I think he could be one with that type of power. He has easily plus probably double plus actually it is double plus. Am I saying, um, just if you want this, that late round flyer, Nico Cavadas is a guy you should be looking at if you want that power bat. Um, but all right, Chris, that's going to wrap us up. That was a fun episode, man. It's good, Ooh, good to talk yeah. some draft again. Yeah, that was a lot, but it was great. Love it. A lot of good names. We, we had to break, break this up into two episodes. We'll do pitchers next week. There was no way we were getting through an entire draft class in one episode unless we we're going to make it three hours. Uh, but we will talk pitchers. Next week, we might have a guest on. We're still kind of working on that, but 
we'll let you know if we do get a guest on. Um, thank you to everyone for listening again this week. We hope everyone enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Cross 4 Chris is at RotoClegg, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at FantraxHQ.com or over on our Patreon. Make sure to tune in again next week for more, for more Dynasty and Prospect talk. But until then, everyone take care. Yeah.